Hey everybody, Chris Whitehead here with Madeline Stout, and uh, we're going to be talking today a little bit about your finances and your business, so stick around. You might find this one enlightening. I came from the mud, there's dirt on my hands. Welcome to Build an Iconic Life Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Whitehead. And this podcast is dedicated to help you build a life with zero regrets by focusing on how you have everything you need to stand up, stand out, and live life on your terms. Let's dive right in. Madeline, thank you very, very much for uh, taking time today with our audience. Before we start... Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about what you do and how you got to doing what you do to make a living? Okay, so let's see. Um, I don't know how many little girls wake up and say that they want to be an accountant when they grow up. Uh, for me, I wanted to be a rock star and it didn't work out so well for me. So I ended up. Why not? I tried. I had a little bit of success. I went on uh, the show called The Voice for a little bit and had a short stint on that program. Singing? Yeah. How cool is that? <laughs> yeah, I always wanted to do something in music. So growing up singing in the church and then, you know, played in a band throughout school and then, you know, tried to do something with it after school. And um, so, yeah, that's like what, what I thought I was going to do uh, in like my late teens, early 20s. And um, realize that you, it's very difficult to make a living playing gigs. <laughs> and open mics. So uh, I ended up moving back home, uh, you know, got into community college, started taking accounting courses, and it was time for me to get a job. So I actually really enjoyed it. It was like a happy accident and, um, you know, kind of made my way through the trenches, saw a lot of really interesting things in business, and honestly, just found a lot of opportunity in the marketplace. You know, I think that a lot of business owners they, you know, structure their financials all year long just to file taxes, just so they don't get audited, just to stay in compliance. But they're making the same mistakes year and year and year again because no one is telling them, right? And so for me being on, you know, my first job being in a tax office, seeing the same problems repeating over and over and over again, which is like the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, um, I just was like, who's talking to these business owners? Like, why aren't we telling them that if they just did this one thing or bought this truck at this time, that they could have a totally different outcome and these conversations would go so much better. And so that's kind of what like got me into what we do now, which is more on like the, you know, boots on the ground or working with companies rather than just, you know, filing and processing tax returns. Was it a, um, was it a scary step for you to come from like a lot of people that are accountants they're high compliance individuals, makes a lot of sense why on a sure. disc profile, but that also usually doesn't lead to a very high eye, um, which is the outgoing and the willingness to promote and all that kind of stuff. And that leads me to ask, was it a really hard transition for you coming from a job and now I'm going to offer this opportunity? Was that a difficult process? Um. I, for me, maybe a little bit, and I think maybe just because, you know, be, the age that I, you know, when I started the company, I was younger. And so I think I just lacked confidence in general. Yeah. And so I think just like growing up, seeing more businesses, um, like grow and evolve, that 
when that went away, I wouldn't say that it became like intimidating or difficult for me to transition into because I started to get really familiar with tax law. And I think oftentimes people are so like ultra compliant just because they're not educated or they're scared, right? Mm-hmm. It's because it's always changing. So what I started to realize is that if you think of like just tax code in general, the IRS is really, they've made the code. I mean, they sit around, they, you know, they're very highly educated people and they are wanting to influence your decision-making as a business owner. So they want you to take advantage of certain tax laws and certain things that they have put into legislation because it actually benefits the country and the economy as a whole. So if we think back to like what happened during the COVID time and, you know, where all these companies are getting PPP and EIDL and ERC and everyone's like, what is this? Like, is this too good to be true? I'm afraid to take the money, but like, I kind of need it. Right. And if you really sit down and you think about it, the IRS was trying to condition you or to influence your behavior into retaining your employees because they needed people to be employed. Right. So I think that if you just kind of take a step out of it and you try to you try to understand what is the reason why the law is written the way that it is, what why are why do these loopholes exist? And it's because they're wanting to incentivize you, the business owner, to stimulate the economy. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think for me, when I stop being Don Quixote fighting windmills and thinking that everybody is against me and life is happening to me and instead it's actually happening for me and let me find the pathway. Um, I shed about 10 years of BS yeah, and, and I just started moving toward my goal. Um, perspective you know, is everything. What's that? I said perspective is everything. Yeah. And, um, no finer point can be put on it than when you're talking about black and white things like taxes and starting to realize that perspective on that as well allows you to work inside of the lines. And they created those lines for you to do that very thing. They're not the enemy, but there are a lot of people that ignorantly or on purpose try to take advantage of it. And they're trying to fish that part out. They want a better thing. And we want a better thing. My next question as you became a business owner, what are the things that surprised you that you had to do that don't have anything to do with your actual business skill set? I mean, how long do you have? I feel, yeah, right? like, I feel like honestly, now what I do is like 10% the technical, right? Um, I, when I first started my business, <clears throat> I was primarily working with attorneys. And it was interesting because we were kind of going through the same thing at the same time. A lot of people that, you know, they come out of law school, they start working for a big firm and then they go, I'm doing all the work. Why shouldn't I just go out and do this myself? Not realizing that there's so much more behind it. Right. So I would say like, you know, as, as a technician, then going out on my own, um, I really thought that I was a business owner for probably the first six or seven years. But in reality, I was just a solopreneur Yeah, working in the business, you know, just doing all the technical work. And it wasn't until very recently <clears throat> that I was talking to someone that I, you know, very much respect. And I'm talking about, you know, this whole business owner thing and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I mean, with all due respect, you're not a business owner. It's you and one other employee. Like you don't have anything. You're just a highly compensated solopreneur. And I go, oh shit, you're right. I actually don't run a business, right? I just happen to have an LLC. 
So now like kind of stepping more into that owner role, it's a lot of business development. It's a lot of training, SOP is systemizing, trying to be innovative, shop the competition. Like there's just so much more that goes into it um, that, but, but I would say to answer your question about what has surprised me, um, I really thought that hiring was going to be a lot easier than it is. <laughs> yeah. Hiring for me is the most difficult thing because you want to find people that are consistent and will hold up your core values and have the technical skill. Oh man, it's like finding a needle in a haystack because we just hold such a high standard that I feel like oftentimes only business owners may have no offense to like really great employees, but like, I mean, we really do try to set that bar high. And so then to try to find that with this kind of like accountant, you know, technical angle, it's, it is a very difficult hire to make. You know, I've had the pleasure of taking part in raising children to adulthood. Now I'm old enough, Ugh. but when we create boundaries for our kids, they don't always love it, but, or, and with that, I truly believe that people want boundaries. I truly believe people want to live excellent. I truly believe that the majority of us, if incentivized appropriately, that doesn't mean giving me more money necessarily. It might just mean having a conversation with me or over a cup of coffee and asking about me not what I'm doing for you. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, I also have minimum 300 employees over my career, not to mention how many subcontractors we use. It's thousands of people. Right. Mm -hmm. And I had a lot of trouble with it, Madeline, a whole bunch of trouble with it, um, for a long time. For one basic reason, I was treating people as if they were a function. And the whole idea, you brought up some big words like core values and SOPs. And I mean, I know that you know that I know that you know that I know that we know. <laughs> but for the person that's listening to this that doesn't understand, like starting with your core values is just exclaiming to the world who you are and what you stand for and what the company stands for. And when you can find people that actually jive with that and how do you find them? Well, you talk to them about it incessantly on the interview process, before the interview process, the way that you market yourself is not always to get more clients. Sometimes the way you're marketing yourself is the competition is also looking at you, which means their employees are also looking at you. And at some point, somebody might drop that ball and they want to come work with somebody that has more of the qualities that they believe in. Right. Then the boundaries come in, which are SOPs. And as much as those kids might fight against it, when they start seeing results from it and their life gets better from it, everybody is willing to comply. And I had to be willing as a business owner to not be lazy and actually do that for myself. Because what I started noticing over the years, we're talking 25 years now and you're tenured too. I didn't take days off. So when it became real easy to take a quick day off and I didn't have to tell anybody why Chris is out. And then right. one day became a weekend and then a weekend became maybe during this really stressful conversation. That's what I hired you to go deal with. I, I wasn't leading. And when I got back into leading, it's amazing who stood up that was already standing around me. I just yeah. couldn't see him. And I think when the us getting together, we get together quarterly. 
you know, and, and probably more. <laughs> the reason that we do that is to inspire each other to keep leading a business because you brought up something really important. There is no more dangerous thing on earth than a solopreneur. You end up making so many promises that are so big to so many people. And if anything happens to you, not only are those promises unfulfilled, but there is no way to feed your family. And boy, am I glad when my head popped out of my bottom on that one, because it is dangerous. We don't have any, we have a lot of advantages if you can produce a lot of income. But if you're a solopreneur making 50, 60 K a year, that's not even a salary. That's poverty at this point. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's the most dangerous place on earth to, to live a car accident. Anything can happen. And, um, I believe that great people are away from losing it all for sure. And I believe that there are great people everywhere. It's that we had not been educated on how to communicate consistently to those people so that we can create a funnel mm -hmm. so that when they're ready, they're willing to inquire. And, um, and the greatest companies that I see are thinking five and 10 years down the road with that. So they're not trying to get a return. Like I need employees next month, dude, that's not the time to start this. That's a, that, that's a traumatic situation that you're in and an employee probably won't fix that probably is going to make it 10 times worse. And that's a personal experience. And if there is one more surprise that you weren't prepared for, that no one told you about actually becoming a business owner, I'm not talking about inside the business now. What is that next biggest surprise that you're like, I didn't know I was going to have to do this. Can you tell me what that is? <coughs> well, I kind of want to discuss just because like I sat in the seat of solopreneur for so long okay. and there's, there's a, there's a few things that I, that I kind of wanted to speak to, especially because you're making such good points on like the differences and what could take you out and all the, like all the base, like basically all the exposure that you have sitting in that seat. Right. Yeah. And I thought that because as a, like in by solopreneur, it was me, I had an employee and then some subcontractors. Right. So it's not like it was just me, but it's not a revenue number. It's because at the time we were doing decent amount of revenue, right? It's not the fact that you have an LLC and you have a logo, right? But the core value thing that we keep going back to and touching on that did not exist. So mm -hmm. we were all basically independently working in silos. And that is another way for just massive overexposure. Yes. And so for us, like the difference in the transition, we actually did a full rebrand and now we meet quarterly similar to you. We live and breathe by our core values is we always tell our people think inside the box instead of think outside, instead of going crazy and making your own silo and your own business within the business, think inside of the parameters that we have set by the core values and by the SOPs. Because if we are at least true to those, even if we make a mistake, it's okay because we will have done right by the by the customer we have been communicating proactively you know we like we have we have held the standard right so that i mean everyone i know that that core values is definitely like a buzzword but that truly is the thing that unlocks mm. everything mm. i um i couldn't i couldn't agree with you more uh until we truly and, and by the way it's like a family um You've lived with me for five years now, child. You know my core values and you see the backhand come out and it's like, 
Uh, maybe the five-year-old doesn't know the core values because you've never actually taken the time to express them in a way that's concise, that gives them a boundary. And it's not a punishment. It's a way to succeed. And what I was thinking when you said it is I'm of the philosophy that where two or more gathered, the strength is greater than the, the sum, right? And then you get three and four and five, and that rope gets really, really strong. And it's hard to break it apart, even when you make a mistake, because the hardest thing on earth is to get people to move in the same direction. And it all begins with somebody beating a drum. And that drum is core values. And what I find is it becomes very easy to have conversations when mistakes do happen to go back to the core values, because 99% of the time, it's a slip up in that arena. Sure. And now we don't have a, a, a moral or ethical conversation about your work ethic versus my work ethic, whether I own it or you own it. Like all that goes out the window because we're going for a common goal where right. everyone gets to succeed. Everyone gets like, I don't know about you, but we run a multi-million dollar operation and the people inside of my operation know the numbers. Like everybody has access to see exactly what's being made. I have nothing to hide with my clients. We sell $60,000, $70,000 bathrooms. We sell half a million dollar additions. I'll turn the computer around and say, here's my profit. Yeah. I have no, I have no issues with that. But it took me a decade because I was trying to shyster people. In my mind, I wasn't. I was actually one of the lowest priced guys out there. But in my mind, I can't tell them that. I love, I love when the employee and like the employee's reaction of that because everyone just thinks that you're just raking it in and you're like, no, no, no. I have a, a vendor supplier list about yay long and they're coming after me next month, right? Like right. there's a lot that goes into this business. You don't think about the receptionist and the telephone and the internet and all the things that are behind the scenes. Or the conversation just to get the website up and running or, you know, the, the 50 conversations about that. And, <laughs> and, and those things are what I signed up for. Yeah. No, I didn't know it. But this opportunity to grow together, this opportunity to to say, hey, I understand that 50K is not a lot right now. Here's an opportunity of how you can earn more inside of what we have. And that was my biggest shift is learning to be for my employees, mm -hmm. learning to get to know who they really are and what their goals and dreams are that money can help take care of. A lot of times, Madeline, it wasn't even about money, though. It's like my wife or my husband or my child or, you know, dude, we've not bought our first house yet. And I mean, yeah, you're not going to do that this way, but over here and maybe there's some education and blah, blah, blah. And that's how a real company begins. And it's also how a real family <laughs> maintains and grows through the turmoil, because I'm also a really firm believer that we get to find out who we really are when the shit hits the fan, not when everything's going right. And that's why we practice in peacetime so that the SOPs like, look, if something happens to me, everybody knows how to maintain at least a month while we figure out what's going on. That's a pretty good feeling. Mm -hmm. It allows me to take the time to do a podcast with you in the middle of a workday and vice versa. And what I'm hoping by this conversation we can do is enlighten people to think way beyond, I'm just going to work for myself. That's dangerous. Doesn't mean you, that's not the pathway to get there, but just know that's the dangerous part of the pathway. For sure.
that together we can accomplish a lot more. Yeah. You had mentioned earlier in, in your conversation um, about, you know, someone coming to the table and potentially wanting more in salary. So if they're at that 50K and they're wanting. So I just kind of wanted to throw in a little nugget for those who are listening and kind of want like the financial perspective on raises and how to handle them, especially right now and kind of the market and like this recession or whatever, because we're getting a lot of, you know, questions or, you know, people who are looking for advice. And what I will say is that the conversation is a lot easier for those who do have core values and kind of that thinking inside the box mentality, because the way that that we handle it is I'm personally, if anyone wants to come to me and, and wants to have a conversation for a race, I'm all ears. I'm kind of like, let's sit down. Let's go through, you know, kind of like a SWOT analysis. Right. And if you can show me how you're going to bring more value to the company, I have no problem giving you giving you more money. Right. But so like I don't have any salary caps or whatever you want to call it. You can make as much as you want to make over here, but let's figure out how to do that together and let's make sure that we're holding the standard. Right. And so we've had a lot of our clients come up to us with this, you know, kind of scarcity mindset. Like I can't afford what they're asking for. They want 10 percent because cost of living and gas is going up. Like, sure, I'm sure that they are asking for those things, but kind of put it on them and see what it is that they're going to bring to the table. We've had some people who have come in and have been able to like eliminate positions because they're willing to bring so much more to the table and it's been effective and so people are pushing themselves and becoming more innovative or we have people that actually rescind the the ask right they no longer want the raise because they go you know what i think that this is fair i don't know if, if i can bring more value or if i am holding the standard or if i am in alignment with what my job roles and responsibilities are let me go work on it and let's have this conversation in 90 days right so that standard will also impact you financially. This isn't just for me in the beginning. It was I, I, I kind of I don't I don't want to say I push it away, but it was more like raw raw because I'm the very black and white logical money person, right? So I'm like core values. Like I got other stuff to do, right? And so <laughs> I just want to illustrate the fact that we're not just getting on here to talk and to make you feel warm and fuzzy. This actually can be the standard. This can be the KPI. This can be the measurable that's going to guide those financial conversations down the road. I wish that we could have had this conversation 20 years ago. I worked so hard for so little with such big dreams to only keep repeating a new mistake that was actually the same mistake. Mm. And I was so deep in the weeds of keeping up with payroll every week. I mean, it's weekly. It's not, eh, we'll get to that. No, that's not how you think. You, you wake up on Monday morning going, ah, okay. We're going to get hundred K this week. It'll work. I don't know how yet, but it'll, I mean, you know, <clears throat> but I was so in the weeds for so long that I couldn't see the mistakes I was making. And like you, for me, when I started really knowing who I am, which are what my core as a business owner, my core values are really based upon my thought process. Right. Then I was willing to start communicating about them knowing what goal I wanted to achieve. And it doesn't matter whether it's 1 million or a hundred million. It's amazing how people started to get on board and actually started wanting me to do what I was good at instead of wanting me to fix everything that went wrong. And I think that's a real problem for a lot of smaller business owners. You've got people that create as many problems as they solve and you're constantly putting out fires and you keep you pulling your hair out asking, why did I do this? 
Well, it's because you're you're doing everything instead of delegating, and people assume that, hey, we got a money problem. Go talk to Chris. Well, I, I might not know anything about the contract. Like I'm the least qualified to talk about this, but I guess because I'm the owner, and this is what happens to a lot of owners. I'm going to give you a discount. Go away. Just give me some money and go. I don't. I can't deal with the problem. Yeah. And if anybody is going through that, I promise you it's a core value issue. I promise you that's the start of it. And if somebody had told me that and could have actually not made it a buzzword, but said, here's how it works, I would have done this 20 years ago because it literally took about six months of concentrated effort to kick out the people that weren't in alignment with those values or they kicked me out. One of two ways to look at it. And for those that were in alignment, they already had their goals attached to it anyway. And, and as a side little note story, one of my guys gave himself a $150,000 raise without me asking him to do anything because he just took control over something, took leadership over it, and it produced more for us. So, of course, the smartest thing I can do is turn around and share that back with him to incentivize him to keep doing it. That all came just by talking about core values, not telling him what he needed to do. And so sometimes we have smarter people around us than we are. I just want to tap into it. And that allows me to be really good at what I do. So what is the number one skill that you are proud about that you've developed since you became a leader of your organization instead of like a worker bee inside of it? Being coachable. <laughs> really? I mean, I think that in my industry, I'm the expert, right? And with that comes a little bit of an ego because I know that I'm do, I'm good at what I do, but you can be satisfied. You can like know that you're great and still still not be done, right? Still, you need to go to continue to evolve, right? Continue to learn and get better and, you know, whatever. So I would say for me, um, making the time to plug in and be in rooms where I'm not, you know, you're not the smartest person in the room, right? I like, if I am the, the smartest or the most successful or whatever in that room, I am in the wrong room, right? I want to go into a room and feel dumb. And so I remember attending an event last winter, feeling incredibly intimidated. And then I was like, I need to sign up to go to more of these, right? Because now I know and so, and I would like, I, I just feel like the growth over the, even this last six months has been, I probably honestly fast forwarded two years had I not plugged into that. Right. So I think just being, being able to humble yourself, being able to plug into, you know, resources that are readily available. Um, there's not a single quarterly event um, that I've missed in, you know, a couple of the coaching groups that I'm a part of. Um, and even if it's something that you've heard time and time again, whether it be core values, whether it be hiring or whatever, there's one piece that I will always learn or be able to take back and implement. But I think that people wildly underestimate the ability to just be open to what other people have to say. You know, one of the things that I've done, and I agree with you 150%, um, it's, uh, I mean, I've been recorded saying I was able to accomplish in two years what I couldn't do in 20 by being sure. plugged in. Um, and that willingness and that desire to be a beginner instead of like a seasoned business person, that's the mindset that I brought in and it served me really well. Um, but what it reminded me of was both of those places, and we can call them like win rate, Tom Keen, Step It Up Academy, 
Yeah, there's right. not a single one of Tom's events that I've missed. I go to all the win rate events. I know that you have awesome events. Like, there is something about being in a room when you have that many people who are taking time out of their day to pour into you. That like, it's just you're picking up something that's going to change the game. Well, here here is the grand experiment that I believe Mike Claudio, Tom Keenan, and I have done. We put our core values out strong. We talk about them throughout the event strong. Everybody there must resonate because they keep coming back and they're paying clients. And now I've got a room that if I squint, it's almost like I'm the leader of this organization too, which I am or Mike is or Tom is. And all these people have the same core values and it just so happens that we have a CFO present. It just so happens that we have someone that knows how to get land deals done. It just so happens I've got people in that room that are way more intelligent than me, yet they beat to this drum of core values. And it, and it became an example for me to go, well, if I can do that here, we can do this with any business and attract the brightest minds. And that's why I think it's so amazing to get into a room of other like-minded people that you are a little bit intimidated by. Now, they, can't, they, they shouldn't be jerks to you. No. But, but you, they have experiences that you haven't had as you step up through that rank and become significant because you apply what you're learning. The next thing, you know, you get noticed by other people that are doing the same thing and you become a team. Right. I can, I can call you. And, and if I have a massive question, I don't have to worry about whether or not you're going to tell me the truth. Right. And people are missing out on that. Big time. And, and, and it does equate to a lot of money. It equates to a ton of frustration. And it equates to fear, which is loss of quality of life. Well, none of us got into business to make our lives horrible. We got in it for freedom. Yet people will not give themselves the opportunity to explore what that freedom looks like. And that's why we do these podcasts. It's why, I mean, I have Z, Mike Claudio and Tom Keenan are some of my best friends. Yeah. There's no competition. There's only wanting more and more people to please do it so that we can make our country better again. We can make our world better. And that's a mission. And mm -hmm. lo and behold, there are other people that have been through it, tried to make money just like you and me and said, hey, that's the best I got. I need, I need help. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, like you get a big chunk from just the coaches and the speakers, but also just the participants, other people that are like you trying to accomplish the same thing. I mean, me owning a fractional CFO business, I actually won our biggest client because someone who does garage doors helped me with that proposal. Like, didn't think that that was going to happen a year ago. Yeah. But he helped me nail down my core values. We went out to dinner and we, you know, we talked through just struggles as like just a business owner and, you know, the whole estimating proposal process. And I landed one of our biggest clients because of someone that does garage doors, right? Like imagine that, but it's just being in the room and having those conversations. We're not all that different. And not to mention, it, it's kind of, there was an old adage back in the day, like the time you're most supposed to go to church is when you don't want to go. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, it's the same thing here. Like, look, I know it might be comfortable post COVID to sit in your chair and to get on the internet and to do it this way. But by giving yourself the opportunity to go live and look people in the eyeballs and feel the energy that's real and palpable and to see it over a couple day period and see whether it's real or whether it's not. And if you're in the right rooms, it starts to infect you internally and starts to get the juices flowing again. 
And the best ones are not the ones that necessarily always give you solutions. They're the ones that do believe like you believe to allow your tank to refill so that you can come home and be the creative person that started a business to begin with and get things on track. And ever since I've been a part of them, I'll never, as long as I can, I will always be a part of them. It's not the cost of doing business. It's the desire to want to increase business for a much bigger cause than making money. Mm-hmm. And when you're in rooms with people that are like that, it start for me anyway, it just made me a better human, better to my wife, better to my kids, better to my employees, better to my friends, better to myself. And it's like, I really wish people would get away from the hoopla of things, know who they are, know what they want, go interact with other people that are like-minded that are doing big things as well. And whether you get anything from those people that are up front or whether it's the people that attract, I have never heard anybody that gave effort at those things that did not come back going. It was well worth the money, well worth the money. And I just, I think getting together is a human thing, not just looking at each other through cameras on, on online. Yeah, and then you start to see one area of your life resulting. You know, for, for me, I started out with business coaching and then seeing how much growth and evolve started there. Then I started like getting into fitness coaching. Now I have someone that helps me as a mentor in my life. Then we got into a marketing consulting group. Now we have work with someone who's helping us at high level. And so because what you start to realize is that now these people can come in and start pouring into your life so that way you can do that for others. And so yeah. Or do or do it by yourself like me for 20 years, getting the same results and just going, I'm, I'm surviving. Everybody. I'm, yeah, I, I, I tell everybody from stage like the one thing I'm proud about. It's not the money, the cars, the stuff, the businesses. No, I'm proud I didn't quit. That's all, like 20 years, man. 20 years of just like. Oh, I smell October coming because that's when remodeling kind of slows down. <laughs> Did we make enough money? And for whatever reason, because the world is so small, I didn't get to meet people like you. And now we have this internet and we have the ability to put it out there and we have the ability to attract people and we have the ability to go meet those people that truly are experts at what you do. And you definitely are one. I'd love to have you on again. If, if people wanted to reach out to you and Mm -hmm. talk to you about anything tax, anything accounting, anything CFO related. Sure. What would be the best way for them to reach you? Um, I would say Instagram at Profit Panda CFO. Um, we also have an email info at ProfitPandaCFO.com. Um, but I mean, yeah, I would say like just how you were talking about, I mean, getting in person, even what like plugging in on social media and just what coaching everything has done to my news feed. We're very active on social media. And I like that a lot of people in the space are active because anytime I log in, I'm just getting, you know, my cup filled as I scroll through, you know, the, the, the feed. So I would say, yeah, connect with us on social and, and um, see if we can help you out. So again, on Instagram, it's at profit Panda, profit Panda CFO, CFO. And if they want to catch you by email, it's info, info at profitpandacfo.com. Okay, great. Well, everybody, um, you're talking to someone that, and trust me, one of the first hires I ever made 20 some years ago was an accountant. Um, and I realized very quickly that we don't think the same. <laughs> um, 
But what you're finding is someone that has chosen to evolve beyond the function of their business and become a leader. And I was really proud that you were willing to get on here and talk with everybody. So thank, thank you. For very much. It was an honor. I really appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, we'll get you back on sometime because I think you have some big things coming up. You're really starting to ramp up some stuff. I don't know what it all is, but I'd like to dive into it and find out. So until we talk again, I hope you have a great weekend, Madeline. You too. Take care. Take care, everybody. We'll see you in the trenches. Hey friend, if you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please leave a review and subscribe to catch future casts. If you really enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it so others can benefit from it as well. I'll see you in the trenches. Try to catch me